Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with Philip Seastead and Matthew Cordell about their upcoming picture book, The Only Fish in the Sea. Stead and Cordell previously worked together on the picture book Special Delivery, about a girl named Sadie who takes matters into her own hands in order to ship an elephant to her great-aunt Josephine. Well, Sadie is back in The Only Fish in the Sea, and she's embarking on an equally daring endeavor, to rescue a pet goldfish that has been callously tossed away by an ungrateful birthday girl. The book arrives in August, published by Neil Porter Books at Roaring Brook Press, which is sponsoring this podcast. Philip Stead is the author of several picture books, some illustrated by his wife, including Lenny and Lucy and the Caldecott Medal-winning Sick Day for Amos McGee. Some he's written and illustrated himself, including Sebastian and the Balloon, Samson and the Snow, and Ideas Are All Around. Uh, thanks for speaking with me, Philip. Uh, thanks for having me. Matthew Cordell has also written and illustrated many picture books that have racked up starred reviews and other accolades, including Dream, Wish, Wolf in the Snow, Hello, Hello, and Trouble Gum. Uh, thanks for being here, Matthew. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, Philip, I'll start with you. Uh, when you and Matthew were working on Special Delivery, which you know would have been years ago at this point, were you already at that point thinking of possible future adventures for Sadie, or is that something that came up at a later point? Uh, if I'm remembering my, my own past correctly, which I almost never am, um, I'm pretty sure that when we began with Special Delivery, it was a one-off idea. Um, I really don't think I ever planned on ever making a sequel to anything in my life. I think Matt and I just had so much fun with Special Delivery, and we enjoyed the characters so much that it just seemed to make sense to try to bring them back. And uh, Sadie is just such a natural problem solver that she's she's a great character to work with. Uh, Matthew, does that sound about right to you? Were you early on board with the idea of, you know, back for more with this character? Yeah, yeah. We um, I, I can remember when Phil and I first met, we, we just clicked on sort of an artistic and a personal level, and we kind of just sort of mused about somehow being able to work together. And I remember, I don't know, probably, I don't know, a good six months or so later, Phil sent me, he mailed me the manuscript of Special Delivery and uh, loved it right away. And and then, yeah, I don't think we ever envisioned it being this sort of ongoing thing. But I remember as we were working on Special Delivery, I think it was at, it was during a conference or something, and, and Neil Porter, our editor, was there, and I can remember walking somewhere and Phil just kind of talking about, I don't know if you remember this, Phil, but he said uh, he had an idea for this, like what could be a sequel, and it was uh, it started out with a girl throwing her newly received uh, birthday gift, a goldfish, into the sea, <laughs> and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> And, it's, kind of, uh, it's still funny to me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> me too. Well, especially because the, the fish stays in the the, be, the little plastic baggie that we all know so well, and uh, just bobbing its way out into the the horizon. I remember when I was a little kid, and we would go to the pet shop, and I always remember that they'd hand you the goldfish, and then they would kind of like look you in the eye and say, like, you better get this into an aquarium, like in the next hour, or this thing's going to be like belly up. And there was always this sense of urgency to, to get home and, and solve this uh, very dire problem for this goldfish. And so it's just sort of a, a really natural um, way to up the stakes at the beginning of a children's book is to sort of announce that you're about to suffocate your main character. Philip, speaking of uh, the beginning, you know, this story kind of really opens. There, it feels a little bit like a, a movie that opens and you don't get to the, you know, 
the title sequence and the credits for a little while. Like, there's this buildup that leads into the story. Is that something that um, can you talk about that and your decision to sort of begin the book that way? Uh, well, really, I got, I have to throw that back to Matt because when we were working on Special Delivery, the first book with Sadie, uh, he I handed the manuscript over to him, but I didn't leave him any art notes. And when he uh, came back with the beginning sketches, he sort of had this whole new beginning mapped out for the book. Um, I think you called it cold open. So basically mm-hmm. similar to what you'd see at the beginning of Saturday Night Live, where the, the story begins, you know, without any sort of uh, preface or, or formality. And I really liked that. So with that in mind, when I was writing the second book, I had that approach sort of handed to me by Matt and I, I went with it and kind of pushed it a step further. Mm-hmm. Well, Matthew, this story is all dialogue. Um, it feels like it does, you know, again, leave a lot of the storytelling responsibility to you. Um, was this another situation where you had just basically, here's what the kids are saying and you're sort of expanding beyond that? Yeah. Um, this book in particular, there was not a lot uh, to go for, you know, in terms of background setting and and what what needed to be built around the words. Um, and I remember looking at it and wondering it could go one of two ways it could there's this sort of there's this kind of moment where they when they go off to look for the goldfish and it could be this either really quiet sort of uh leisurely like rowboat type situation where it's sort of nice day nice sunny day out or it could be complete chaos you know like this kind of great madcap craziness big storm large sea animals and of course i had to go with the second option (laughs) and and i I think you know phil i think correct me if i'm wrong but i think phil was expecting it to be the sort of quieter idea and uh, when i first sent those sketches i think it was kind of a surprise to everyone (laughs) uh no actually i think that when i when i wrote that for you i deliberately brought the tone way down i wanted sadie to be you know ultra calm the whole time, but I think when I handed it off to you, I was expecting the comedy to sort of exist in the complete contrast of what you were likely to make. Right. And so, uh, what about the monkeys then? Uh, it was was that you? You <laughs> Matt, you're like, hey, hey, remember these guys? Because uh, these are the same monkeys from the previous book. Is that is that right? Yeah. Um, the story of the monkeys. If we go back to special delivery, there was a there's a a sequence where Sadie and the elephant are being robbed on a on a train. <laughs> And uh, if you haven't read the book, all this sounds pretty wild, I guess. But um, <laughs> it could, I, you know, it, it could, you know, it being a picture book, I was trying to figure out a way to soften that a little bit and, and also at the same time make it kind of weirder. So I had a, the robbery was was uh, was being done by monkeys instead of people. And they were using... They were being held at, uh, instead of being held sort of at knife point or gun point, which would be kind of scary, they're being held at, uh, I guess, banana point, you could call it. <laughs> they're being, uh, and then, so, when we, when we started sketching on, uh, on Only Fish, uh, I don't remember who suggested it. I, I don't think it was me, though. I think it was Neil or Phil. Somebody said, we gotta have the monkeys in here. So, I just started weaving them in. There's, they weren't. They're not really. I don't. I don't think they're ever even mentioned in the manuscript at all. Are they? No. Which makes it even weirder in book two that they're there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so I figured out. 
I, I just started trying to visualize them being there from beginning to end. You know, in the first, in special delivery, they're just there for that one kind of scene. But in this book, they're an integral part of the story, but they never are mentioned and they don't have any uh, dialogue or anything. You just have to kind of follow what they do. And they're constantly reacting to what's going on, which was a lot of fun to draw. Well, Philip, you know, with both of these books, uh, I feel like there's kind of a sense of being just thrown headlong into an adventure. And I, it kind of goes maybe to that cold open idea you were you were mentioning. Um, you know, with this one, Sherman's racing on his bike to tell Sadie what happened to the fish and all this exposition happens, you know, before the title page. Um can you talk about your approach to the text? I mean, as we said, you know, it's only dialogue. You, you have a new friend in there, you know, Sherman, which allows for some back and forth. You know, you mentioned sort of trying to bring the level down a little bit in terms of the, the, the text, but can you just talk about your approach to the narration since it is so kind of spare here? Well, I think my, my goal every time I set pen to paper is to try to create a situation where the illustrator really can end up doing most of the heavy lifting. My original training is not as a writer, but as an artist. I went to art school, and I only really took up writing as an excuse uh, to be able to make my own stories. So it, I think it's natural for me to sort of see in pictures, and, and it's natural to sort of want to get out of the way of the artist, whether that artist is, is actually me, or if it's my wife Erin, or if it's Matt. I, I kind of try to recognize what are the particular skills of, of that artist and then sort of set them up for a situation where they can really do work that really plays to their strengths. So Matt, I think, is he's great at comedy, but I think also his line his line work has sort of a natural um, friendliness and gentleness to it at the same time. It's not necessarily as aggressive as some of his some of the people that I would put in the same category as him, like a like a Ralph Steadman or William Steig. I think Matt's Matt's line always seems like a little bit more compassionate. And so I tried to write to those things. So some, some sort of combination of comedy and compassion, I think, is right where Matt's work naturally wants to sit. And that's where I, I, I hope to land on both of these books. Excellent. Well, you know, Matthew, speaking of the line work a little bit, there's a lot of comedy and sort of antic happenings going on, you know, above the surface of the water in the boat with these monkeys, all this stuff going on. But I do feel like that your attention to the, the the threats underneath the water it's a little it's, it's kind of like you almost went you know tried to make those sharks and whales and everything seem sort of as menacing and maybe even a little, a little more natural but you know they, these sharks feel like oh these are real sharks like yes there's crazy things happening up top but like these are these are sharks and they're big and they're right there um was that part of you trying to create another sort of contrast on the pages to just raise the stakes as high as they would go something else yeah, yeah, exactly. That was exactly it. I, I just, uh, I, I, I don't know. I thought it would be an interesting twist to kind of mix it up, and and to I thought it would heighten the the kind of danger and the sort of the element of danger by making them drawing them a little more realistic, but still stylized. But um, that sequence is just so kind of it just goes so over the top that I just thought to do something a little different would even make it more over the top. And, you know, I'd also been drawing at the same... I did this book sort of in the same... and I did this sort of this string of books around the same time as I did this book. And one of the books I did was my book Wolf in the Snow, where I also sort of played with this contrast of styles for sort of a 
I guess sort of a, a similar reason, you know, just I drew the wolves very realistically or realistically, you know, in my standards to raise that sort of that kind of the emotions, you know, and the reaction of the reader. Uh, so I thought, you know, maybe it was sort of tailing in on that. And, uh, I, you know, it's not something I don't want to do ever again. I, you know, it might come up again, but I think, you know, it all sort of kind of flowed together at the, at the time I was making these books. So, Philip, you know, you mentioned that all of this got started, these collaborations, after the two of you met in person at some point uh, back in the day. Um, what's the, the process like as far as when these books did take shape, and I guess especially this one? Is there, are you guys having much back and forth? Is it kept pretty separate? Um, I, I would say that our relationship is a little bit peculiar when, in, in terms of modern children's book making in that it is very collaborative and we do stay in touch throughout the process. Um, I don't really, or at least I try not to get into Matt's hair um, on a detail level. So I don't, I don't tell him, you know, put something here, take something away here. I, I, I give him the text and I let him do what he sees fit for the text. But we don't really have um, sort of the standard walls in between us that, that authors and illustrators tend to have these days. We're not communicating through art directors or through editors. And uh, we get to make a lot of uh, choices early on, sort of as a team, before we have to then go out and defend them, you know, in the broader world. Same for you, Matt. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, they were both so much fun for me to make. Um, so yeah, normally I, as an, if I'm illustrating another person's manuscript, I will, they'll, you know, it'll be emailed to me by an art director or a uh, an editor, and then that's my sort of filter, you know, the that person between me and if the author is involved at all but with with our books with Phil and my books we Phil's and my books we we actually so I would do he would give me the manuscript and then with very little if any art direction within the manuscript and then I would go off and just kind of do what I was going to do and, and come up with the first sketch dummy and send it to I actually this was different too I would send it to Phil and to Neil and then we would set up a time to talk on the phone and then we would just have this really fun exchange of ideas and you know talk about what's working and what could be amped up more what could be changed and and it was just so much fun it was very collaborative very uh I don't know, it's very exciting to be on the phone and talk with two other people who were as excited about it and and uh, and had such great ideas. So, yeah. You know, Matt, one more final, I guess, art question with this one. I thought I would mention, you know, the covers of the books briefly. You know, the first one has this sort of stamp framing that works really well for the theme of that book. And then this one, you've got the, uh, the sort of picture frame idea. Can you talk about that idea? Was that something you sort of uh, pitched or brought uh, to the table as part of the, the overall design? Yeah, well, that... We we wanted it to have this sort of iconic um, design, like a stamp, um, but we didn't have that exactly in this story. The stamp was a, a big part of the special delivery. And so my first idea was to try to figure out, maybe it was photographs. I thought maybe it would be this sort of collage. It could be a photograph. And then um, I think it was Phil that said, why don't we make it a painting, you know, and uh, we could work that in somehow here and there because one of the things that I did in this book 
it doesn't really relate to anything. I just sort of did it, I guess, for my own satisfaction as I took various um, iconic paintings from all over world history and kind of ripped off the compositions for certain spreads. <laughs> and so I thought it would be fun. I think the idea of the cover, the idea for me was to have the... We all know that, I think probably most of us know, the, the George Washington Crossing the Delaware painting. So I thought, you know, Sadie in this book, she seems very much like the presence that George Washington in that painting gives off. He's sort of standing tall and not really doing too much, but just kind of delegating, you know? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she has this this kind of, un, this sort of like strength that that doesn't need to be defined, you know, and and so I thought that would be the that would be the perfect image to rip off for the cover. So Phil's like, why don't we just put a frame around it, you know, and make it an actual painting? And then so on the back of the back of the book, if you look, you see the uh, the monkeys have painted the painting that you see on the front, which was a lot of fun. So that was kind of came organically. Mm-hmm. Um, you're both uh, Midwestern based uh, authors. Um, Philip, do you have uh, plans underway at all for you know either getting together for the release of the book, anything like that? Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that Matt and I will be doing our first event together shortly after the uh, shortly after publication in Decatur, and after that, Matt's pretty much on his own because Aaron and I have a baby coming uh, very very soon, so I'm going to be out of commission for a few months. Oh, good. Well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So aside from um, from babies, uh, can you talk a little bit, uh, Phil, about what's in the pipeline for you next? Or is that really going to be where you're t- turning your attention? I know I saw at least a Mark Twain project uh, for the fall. Uh, yeah, that's that's the other big one coming out this year. So Aaron and I, um, it's a very bizarre little book, um, actually bizarre big book. Um, Aaron's the illustrator. I'm uh, co-author with Mark Twain, which is a bizarre thing to say. Um, but that, that comes out this fall as well. And then, uh, I guess looking forward to next year, um, I've got two books that I'm really excited about. One is another sort of sequel, not quite a sequel, but, um, but similar, similar characters, same characters, similar setting. So it's a book called, uh, Vernon is on his way. And it's a follow-up to a book I did about, about five years ago called A Home for Bird. Uh, that one I'm really excited about because uh, I was able to sort of play with format a little bit. It, um, it's actually three stories in one, similar to what you might find in like a frog and toad uh, type of book. And so that was really fun to work on. I just finished that up. And then I've got another one coming out next year called All the Animals Where I Live, which is sort of a companion book to a book I did last year called Ideas Are All Around. So it's told in a uh, sort of a personal essay sort of style. Um, it's just an introduction to uh, all the animals you might encounter just walking around our property here in northern Michigan. So both of those books I'm very excited about. Great. Uh, Matthew, how about for you? Uh, what's on the horizon? Uh, so The Only Fish in the Sea will be my last book of this year, and then uh, next year uh, you will be, you'll see some of the books that I'm actually working on right now. Uh, my next author illustrator book is called is called uh, King Alice, and it's about a dad and a daughter who who make a book. It's like a snowy day, so they're stuck in the house, and so they decide 
that they're going to make a book together. And uh, it sort of tosses around a lot of ideas about just collaboration and and uh, and also the idea of the daughter, you know, it's called King Alice, so she's this very strong personality and uh, she's kind of the head of the family and she kind of bucks the idea of gender stereotypes, so she's considers herself the king and she keeps insisting she's the king. So, and it's based on, you know, just like many days I've had with my own daughter and uh, her sort of telling me what to do and taking charge of my life <laughs> and and uh and then i i'm also working on a another so I, I had a book in 2015 called wish and then um i just had another book out called dream which is a companion to wish so then i'll have one more of those that i'm working on now called hope um which is sort of in the same vein of of uh just very reflective um parent parent child uh exchanges and, and you know just thinking about you know what it's like to be a, a parent and watching your children grow and those sort of things so so that is what i'm up to very good well congratulations again to both of you on this book and uh thanks for taking time out to speak with me well thanks for having us this was fun yeah thank you once again, I've been talking with Philip Stead and Matthew Cordell, whose picture book, The Only Fish in the Sea, is being published in August by Neil Porter Books. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. Cast.